the American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must take America back. Main Street to Wall Street, cities and states, Washington D.C. Before it's too late, there's not long. We need leaders who lead us, not stick us and bleed us, then ransom our future and our children's. That's wrong. We must take America back as liberty weeps. Our forefathers spin in their graves. Pray God will bless some way out of this mess. We must take America back. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome good to the Tuesday, July 18th, 2023 edition of the National Intel Report. I am your host for this Tuesday, Michael Herzog, and I will be with you as always for the next two hours. Now, the title of this evening's broadcast, Complying Means Dying, either sooner or later. Now, I have a special guest tonight for the full two-hour broadcast. He is an author, a researcher, an activist, as well as a firm believer in natural health, as myself. I've spoken to him a couple of times off the air and found many commonalities in our beliefs and could likely do countless shows with this man. But the topic for tonight's discussion is about what our dear friend, Dr. Tedros Adhanan Abreus, the Director General of the WHO, who, by the way, is not even a medical doctor, but is the guy overseeing their latest idea and push to have the governments of the entire world hand over their medical sovereignty to their respective populations or other respective populations both for future health decisions and dictates now i'm not an expert on this draconian possible future implementation and have heard different opinions regarding this issue from many people which is why i have invited someone on tonight that has done the research and can educate all of us folks to exactly what it entails what it will do, and what we may expect if they succeed. Now, many of you may have seen the recent video RBN had posted on its website called 100 Reasons to Exit the WHO. So I want to welcome the man that did the research to put that informative video together. James Roguski, are you with me, sir? I am. I trust that you can hear me fine. Thank you very much for having me. I can hear you fine, and welcome to the National Intel Report. It's a pleasure having you on, sir. I watched that entire video. It was posted on the RBN website, and I said, I've got to get this guy on, okay? Uh, and and uh, uh, I compliment you. I was very impressed with it, and I have to tell you, the diligence and obviously the amount of research you put into it, you know, would only compare with me, James. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm a researcher as well, but I don't have the time to put the effort into it that you did. Anyway... Let's get started. Now, James, I've heard from a number of different people, different facets of this, you know, tossing this out or that out or listening to this broadcast or that. And the one that keeps primarily coming up, if the subject, you know, is is talked about, 
is that, oh, well, you know, it's a treaty that if, even if Biden signs it, it's got to go through Congress and the Senate. And it has to be approved by 60 members of the Senate, blah, 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 blah. Have you heard that one, James? I have heard such um, talk, yes. Okay. So that's why you're here, is because you're going to educate both myself and the audience as to why that is incorrect. So let's get started. Um, let's talk about what this, I mean, the WHO itself is an organization that, from what I understand, it, what, oversees or gives advice or does whatever it does uh, and, you know, recommends different things to different governments. Um, am I right in that? Wrong in that? What, what, how does that work? What do they, what do they actually do now? Um, well, it certainly seems like they um, collect and spend a lot of money to uh, do a lot of reports and propaganda and um, influencing of opinion. Um, you know, let me let me start off with all of this. Uh, there are so many things that people have heard, and everybody wants to make it be a simple answer, and it is a complicated soap opera. And Unfortunately, once you get to know the cast of characters and the plot lines and the history, uh, you know, it, it sadly is somewhat entertaining, but it's not going to boil down to a simple answer unless you go back to basics. And if we tie this into what I'm going to trust you know about health, um, you can treat the symptoms or you can deal with the cause. And um, I'd love to start at the cause, because all of the details that everybody's talking about now are, are really the symptoms. And so if you understand, and, and again, I trust that you do, if you understand health and how the medical system works, uh, you can have all kinds of symptoms that you notice, and you can give them all kinds of names. But, you know, the cause of things is, is usually, you know, there's a there's an issue underlying all of it. And, and quite frankly, that cause started all the way back in in and around 1948 when we all got started and, and got involved into this with what, you know, I, I'm going to venture to take a wild guess that very close to zero people have read the WHO Constitution. Um. I would probably agree with you because I'm one of them as well. It never read it. <laughs> so go ahead. You know, it's not something you get in, you know, civic. Have class. you read it? I, I have read it. I can't say that I have it down to memory. OK, but I've read it enough to know it's not, you know, it's not an enormously large document. But the simple fact that it exists and the United States, um, not through a treaty, technically in the United States, if you really want to be precise, a treaty is only is a word that is used to something that has already gone through the Senate um, advice and consent and then has been ratified by the president and, and you know, has been logged into you know, history. Um, then it is referred to as a treaty. There are thousands, tens of thousands of international agreements that go by many names, the, the um, entry into or the agreement to become a member uh, of the WHO was not done in that fashion. So we did not enter into the WHO through that process. We came in through a joint resolution of both houses of Congress 
and a presidential signature. So technically, that was a congressional executive agreement. And so it was only like a, a five-section um, document, very easy to read. And the membership came with acceptance of the WHO Constitution. And the WHO Constitution pretty much says that the WHO is in charge of health around the world. And they can do whatever is necessary to achieve their goal of you know, ultimate health for everybody. Now, it sounds good, and for many, many years, maybe it was good. There's a lot of things that have been done through the years to improve people's health. But maybe about 20 years or so ago, um, things really started to go off the rails. But I, I really want to start with at the beginning, if we can. Oh, because you've got the floor, my friend. You know, j just feel like you're the professor up there, and here we <laughs> have a, thousands of students out in the audience. Go ahead. Um, well, you know, uh, somebody told me, they said, you know, you can you can preach or you can teach or you can reach. And so, you know, I, I hope we're able uh, I just lost it. I hope uh, you're able to hear someone. Someone was trying to call me uh, on Skype, unfortunately, so uh, I, I okay, lost so, off there for a minute, so hopefully okay. we're back. You lost me. At, you can teach, reach, or preach, or right? Exactly, and so okay. hopefully we'll reach, we'll reach people here with all this information. Um, you know, you can't teach people unless they want to know, and, you know, preaching uh, maybe is good if you're talking to the congregation, but what happened in 1948, if you could go back 75 years before I was born and many other people, um, maybe the intentions were good, maybe they weren't. But what was set up was uh, an agreement, and, and part of that agreement said that nothing that the WHO does would require the United States to implement any kind of legislation or regulations it would be advisory in nature and we would help out. We wanted to improve, you know, the health of the world, but essentially the attitude was we'll help out, but you can't tell us what to do. And so that's actually baked in, that's written in to that um, joint resolution that Harry Truman signed. Okay. And so fast forward to 1969, the delegates who were sent to actually Boston is where they met in 1969. The delegates from all of the member nations agreed to something called the International Health Regulations. And so this is where it starts to go off the rails because what happened in 1948 is we set up a structure where unelected delegates were appointed by the president, were given the authority to make decisions on our behalf without any accountability back to the people. Now, they were accountable to the president, and the president is loosely accounted to the people, you know, accountable to the people every four years, but there's no direct control. It's not like we have a representative in Congress who has anything to say about what goes on in Geneva. Then in 2005, it, it went off the rails even more in the sense that amendments to those regulations were adopted. And I think this is where the WHO did a very good job of infiltrating every single government 
in the world that's a member, in 2005, they agreed that every nation shall implement an office within their national government that's called the National IHR Focal Point. IHR stands for International Health Regulations. So in 2005, they basically required that every nation has an office, the IHR Focal Point, National IHR Focal Point, that communicates and reports directly to the WHO 24-7. Now, probably fewer people even know that such an office exists in our Department of Health and Human Services. Now, it seems innocuous enough, the responsibility of that office is to surveil our healthcare system and report on any outbreak of disease or dramatic increase in disease or death and, you know, 24-7, let the WHO know what, what's going on. Well, okay, fine, maybe you can say all of that is relatively not a problem, but now they want to change and make that office have dramatically more power. And so, arguably, that's not giving up sovereignty. That is allowing an international organization to infiltrate the structure of your government and empowering people in your own nation who are listening to a foreign entity um, tell your people what they have to do, okay? If, if anything, it's infiltration. And, and so Russia proposed an amendment, which is currently being discussed, negotiated, they're shooting for next year to have this be adopted, that every nation who agrees, not to the treaty, because that's a totally separate thing, very, very different. People got to realize that there's many different things going on here. It's not one ubiquitous answer. Uh, they proposed an amendment to Article 4 of the International Health Regulations that would require every nation to implement legislation to empower that office to uh, you know, abide by all of the other 300 and some changes to the regulations. So it's, it's essentially getting our own government to do someone else's bidding within the structure of our own system. Well, it sounds to me like since, uh, and you've put a timeline on this, James, it started in 1948 as a, kind of an advisory board in 1960. They implemented the International Health Regulations 2005, then the amendment started. And it's like, it, how, how, like a creeping fascism, if you will. Uh, it, it's like, you know, give them an inch, they take a mile. It's like, when do they stop? They don't want to stop. But that takes me to... Um, you know, they're, they want to expand their role and basically, from what I understand, is literally have the power to dictate to the population or the governments of the world and their populations. And this is a scary thing because when that happens, not if, but when the next pandemic comes, because we've already heard them. And not, oh, there's going to be another one. It's going to be worse than the other one. You've heard that. OK. And 
if this were implemented and goes into effect, it means that Abreasis and his band of gypsies are going to have the power to do God knows what. Make you wear a mask, quarantine you, have you stay home for a month at a time, uh, roll up your sleeve and take a vaccine. And if you don't, what, you're going to go to prison? I don't know. What? You, you, uh, well, again, uh, there was a movie. I didn't watch the movie, but um, I, I know some of the classic scenes from it where uh, it was a horror film and the person in the movie kept getting uh, threatening phone calls. And then the punchline from the movie was that they traced the phone calls and they were coming from within the house. Okay. And so the threat is from within. The threat is that the very same people who did whatever they did over the last three to four years in our own governments on a federal level, a state level, uh, you know, county, city, local level, corporations, you know, y- your friends, your neighbors, your countrymen, okay, who, for whatever reason, lost sight of your rights and your freedoms, and let fear and and um, just the desire to control others take over. The danger is the same. The, the, the danger of who you're going to deal with is the same as it has been over the three to four years that we've just been through. What happened over the last three to four years was they said, oh, well, you know, so-and-so said, right? The WHO said so, or the CDC said so, or the FDA said so, right? That didn't give them authority, constitutionally based authority to restrict your rights and freedoms. I don't know where in the Constitution of the state in which you live or in you know the federal Constitution, it says that somebody else has the authority to tell me how many holes I have to poke in my skin. I, I, I don't see where that authority comes from. <laughs> well, it's interesting right? you say that because it brings up, and I've argued this all along from the inception of this, you know, pandemic, scamdemic, call it whatever you want, but I've, you know, I... The, the the proclamations, the mandates, all of this crap that they were throwing at us, as the CDC and Anthony Fauci and all of this stuff, okay? I didn't comply with any of it. Uh, and the reason I didn't is because I was saying all along, and I, and I had actually had to uh, affront people that were managers of different stores or facilities and said, if you don't wear a mask, get out of my store. I'm sorry, there's no law. Oh, yeah, there's a law. No, there's not. But what you're telling us here is that if indeed this particular thing is implemented, does that mean, because I've challenged the proclamations, the mandates, the edicts, and all this stuff coming from the governor and the the county and all of this stuff, and up to this point, they've lost. Um, But if this is implemented, does that take it to the next level and say, okay, you know, it's, it's now criminal if you don't. Is that what you're saying? My my short answer is hell no, okay? But the longer answer is there is a difference between law and authority and the implementation or, or the infliction of power. And, and so what we're dealing with here is a misunderstanding of where authority comes from how that authority can be enacted into law and or regulation 
and then enforced upon a people who have been psychologically manipulated into believing that just because somebody says so means you have to. And so there, there is a structure under which our society is supposed to operate. And, you know, if you got to go back and do the let me, let, me, let, me, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Uh, I've just got a message, and I, I didn't hear the music, Julie, but we got to take a break. We've we got a couple of breaks. We'll be back in three. Uh, I want to continue with this. There's another thing I'm going to bring up that's going to segue right into what you're talking about. So let's stick around. More to come with James, my special guest, James Rogowski. Um, we'll be back in three, folks. And are after Julie, our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. You may already know Shilajit by other names. Shilajit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shilajit literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shilajit has been in use for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the Gold Mountain and Medical Symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. And one of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net. Let me help you protect your wealth and your family today. Once again, call or text us at 602-799-8214 or visit our website, SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com. Be glad to help you out. Be glad to answer your questions. That's what we're here for. No pressure. Just good, hard, common sense. The decision then becomes up to you. All right, folks, we're back with the National Intel Report. My special guest, James Rogowski, and we're discussing this topic with the WHO trying to will throw out a power grab for all the health sovereignty of the world, if you will. And, James, getting back to what you're speaking about, I mean, for the last, well, during this whole COVID thing, we were putting up with these, you know, unelected people 
the, author, uh, the, the authorities, if you will, well, the CDC, as you say, says Anthony Fauci, who was blasted on mainstream media for, what, a year and a half, two years, and all of the, you know, the mind-numbed masses were kowtowing to this and believing everything, rolling up their sleeves and so forth. But what you're discussing, what, 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 what is happening now is it looks as if they are, uh, I don't know, creating a completely new uh, level, if you will, a new bureaucracy uh, of, of authoritative. And, and, and also there's plausible deniability that comes in there when, you know, if there's another pandemic and they come down with some mandate about we got to stay in the house for a month. You know, the president of the United States, if you want to call him that, you know, say, well, hey, you know, it's the World Health Organization that dictated this. We're just carrying out the orders. So it's a whole new level above and beyond our, you know, the sovereign nation of the United States. Am I wrong in that? You know, it, everybody wants it to be a yes or no answer. And uh, I try to bring the facts and the clarity. So what we really have to do is partition what it is we're talking about. Okay? Now, first and, and foremost, the cause of the problem, right, started in 1948, where we said, okay, we adopt this um, membership in the WHO and, and they have this constitution, and they're in charge of health. But about three weeks ago, there was an interview with um, Javier Becerra, who is the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services. Mm -hmm. And they, they asked him a very fundamental question, if there was anything that you wanted the American public to know about the Department of Health and Human Services, what would you like everyone to know? And he actually spoke what I feel is the truth. He said, you know, people need to realize that the federal government does not have authority. They do not have constitutional authority over health care. So he is capable of speaking the truth. But then he said the quiet part out loud. And, and he said, but we do throw a lot of money into Medicare and Medicaid and, and, and so forth. And so we have a lot of influence. And I, I, I couldn't summarize it any better than that. You mentioned something about, you know, you pushed back and you didn't do this. There are many people who recognize the problem. And the problem is really very simple. People who have influence and power presenting themselves as if they actually have authority. And if any of the listeners, you know, are, are thinking about this and you're not crystal clear on the difference between how people in various states in the United States have given some authority over to their state governments. And, you know, back 200 plus years ago, the states who agreed to the Constitution gave some of that state authority over to the federal government. And that's where it ends. All authority starts from the people some of that authority has been given to the state government. Some of that authority was given to the federal government. And a lot of people are have turned into bullies who are fronting as if they have authority to do things to you as an individual. But they don't actually have the authority. They have influence and power 
and they are acting under the color of law, and those laws may or may not be in alignment with the authority that a state or federal constitution gave them. And so we are being preyed upon by people who take advantage of our lack of clarity of where our authority is, where our rights and freedoms are, and we have to stiffen our spine and stand up for them, like you said you did. Many people said, no, you cannot make me do the things that you're telling me you have authority to make me do. And you read the newspapers or you know, look at the news or whatever, and you see that they're winning their court cases because they were right. But a lot of people caved because the pressure, the, the financial pressure, the emotional pressure, you know, in, in, in some cases, you know, physical, you know, pressure and, and, and everything else under the sun was powerful. And, and so I'm on I'm on a mission to raise people's awareness of where the line in the sand is. And people do not have your authority to tell you that you have to poke a hole in your body unless you hand it over to them on a silver platter. And, and that's the problem. Unalienable rights mean that even if you lost your mind, even if you forgot, even if you got confused or coerced or tricked or, or bullied into you know, losing sight of the fact that you have unalienable rights and freedoms, you can still take them back. All right, let me interrupt you. We've got to take another bottom of the hour break, and then we've got a 20-minute segment. So uh, stick around. More to come, folks. James Rogowski, my special guest. We're going to dig down further into this when we get back. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. 
That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not, or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop Children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down all right, folks, we're back with the National Intel Report. My special guest, James Roguski. Now, James, I want to uh, take you back for a second here. We were talking about this authority and, you know, the, when we went through COVID, uh, they started out with enticements to get people to take shot, free hot dogs, free meal tickets, free lottery tickets, free this and free that. And that got so many people to roll up their sleeves. Then it went to intimidation. Then it went from that to pressure. It went to threats of losing their job or getting kicked out of the military or whatever. So there was an agenda behind this. I mean, the whole uh, plan that they had made a lot of people rich, but it was an absolute disaster for the health of the public. And what I, I guess one of my questions is that, you know, if they – turn this over uh, if this is implemented and the 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 world health organization gains its authority i had made a list not of the entire hundred reasons to exit the who but i had made a list of oh 10 or 12 of them and some of the things that that you had reported in that video were just absolutely outrageous i mean the who is seeking tens of billions of dollars in further research to support gain of function research or, you know, to, to getting behind this this one world health and a one size fits all vaccinations and so forth, which has been an absolute disaster. So, you know, I guess a question on everyone's mind is, are we looking at the same tactics that they would be using as they use here during covid? 
or are we looking looking at something more serious? Because we're also looking at the people involved in this, and we're talking about them. Or they're talking about implementing um, vaccine passports, uh, the the uh, central bank digital currency. Whereas if you don't comply, they just lock up your bank account. Or if you want to travel out of state and you haven't proved that you've rolled up your sleeve, you're not going anywhere. So how does this play into that, James? Um. There are a lot of things that you just mentioned that are tied in, and this is how everybody gets themselves into trouble because there are separate pieces of the puzzle, okay? And so if, if we can partition what we're talking about, because what happens out in you know the land of media um, is, is people get them all mixed up, and then the fact checkers show up, and they go, oh, well, that's wrong. And just yesterday, the WHO put out a propaganda video. They're using our tax dollars and donations from you know everywhere else around the world to essentially put out propaganda. It costs money, you know, to make videos and put it out there. And and so what they like to do is they like to catch people mixing up the different pieces of the puzzle and then going, oh well, you're wrong. So let me actually start with what is really the the most misunderstood part of all of it, right? Almost everybody talks about all of this as if it is this ubiquitous pandemic treaty. Well, number one, it's not a treaty. The document that everybody refers to is actually called the WHOCA+. That stands for Convention or Agreement. And that current document was published on June 2nd of 2023. And unless you've read it, unless you've put your eyeballs on it, and you have actually seen what it says, if you're going on what somebody else said about it, um, it's probably wrong. Now, the, the movie that you said you watched, The 100 Reasons to Push Back Against the WHO, the first 10 points in there were something that I published half a year ago in January based on a version of that document that was two versions ago, right? So as time passes, things change. And the latest version of the WHOCA plus is likely to change again. And they're having an argument right now amongst all of the nations that are negotiating this because there's 194 member nations and in April they were all asked to submit text to be included in the draft, the Bureau's text of the CA+. And what has happened is the text that the many nations submitted is in hiding. It's secret. They have not published it. There's there's a document called the Bureau's text of the CA+, but then there's a compilation text. And so what has happened is, quite frankly, I think very incriminating. All of the nations have submitted text to this negotiating process, and the Bureau, or I, I would say the bureaucracy, of the WHO and, and, and the group that is you know, guiding these negotiations extracted certain portions of what the nations submitted 
and left out the vast majority of what the nation said they wanted. So, you know, there is actually, you know, not a uniform view of what is even being negotiated at this point in time. It's a mess. And I'm happy that it's a mess because, you know, certain group of nations want this, certain group of nations want that. The WHO wants what they want. We, the people, don't seem to have much of a say in it unless we really raise our voices and make a stink about it. And so if you summarize the whole entire pile of what's going on with what everyone calls a treaty, it, it, it's got none of the things that you've mentioned or we've talked about this entire time. That's not what it's about. It's about taking money and building out the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. It's about investing in laboratories and research and development and, and all of the things that could be used to fear monger us all over again. It's not about taking away our national sovereignty. It's not about giving Tedros power and allowing him to mandate or vaccine passports. No, 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 no. That is not in this document. That's elsewhere. And okay. so when, pe when people say the treaty does this, and the, number one, they don't call it a treaty. And, and number two, those things that people attribute to these specific negotiations are not in that document. But many people are very loose with the language, and, and they don't distinguish so the WHO put out a propaganda video yesterday morning and they said, oh, all of these people who are saying, you know, the treaty does this and the treaty does that. They go, oh, that's all misinformation because it is what they're trying to do in this document can be seen in chapter three of the document. There's three chapters and it's not what people think of as a treaty, which would be you put a bunch of words on paper, you agree to it, you sign it, and you're done. It's a framework convention, and the difference really matters because all they have to do is get the nations to agree to a framework, and they would set up what they call a conference of the parties, which is just another layer of bureaucracy. They would put the delegates from the nations, they would put um, spokespeople from the corporations that make and manufacture the pandemic response products, you know, industry titans, whatever, um, and all of the UN organizations and the nonprofit organizations, the foundations that they call relevant stakeholders or civil society. Basically, a, a collection of fascist collaborators would be set up as the conference of the parties to going off into the future right into the protocols, all of the details of how they're going to spend the billions of dollars that they themselves are putting into this. The, the conflict of interest are, are baked into the document. They want to set up a cabal of unknown, unelected, unaccountable people to run a cartel of laboratories and testing that would enable them to claim that they found a pathogen somewhere. And you all have to be very, very, very afraid. 
they turn that into drugs and jabs and tell people that it's for their own good because they're trying to stop the next pandemic. Well, all of that is just venture capital. It's just investment in infrastructure. They want developed nations, wealthy nations, to build out state-of-the-art infrastructure in developing nations. And so the argument here is who's going to pay for what and where is all of that corrupt money going to get invested? We're not dealing with what people think we're dealing with. We're dealing with the pharmaceutical industry, essentially, but it's expanded to be hospitals and emergencies and, you know, intellectual property and manufacturing and mRNA, you know, genetic therapies that masquerade as vaccines and tests that aren't tests, you know, to be able to scare the daylights out of people. And the implementation and and the um, control mechanisms will be handled by the same people locally who abused your rights and freedoms over the last three to four years. But instead of saying, oh, well, it's a recommendation, they'll say, well, you know, there's this new law or there is this you know, new amendment to the regulations and we're abusing you now because of that. And unless the people understand that it's been wrong for the last four years and it'll be wrong again, treaty or amendments be damned, unless we wise up to the game that they're playing, they're just more than doubling down. They're putting more money into the trickery that they did over the last three and a half years. The next time somebody comes up with another test, oh, we found another genetic sequence, and, and you know, here's another dra- uh, jab or drug, and it's going to help you be healthier. It just makes people more ill, but they know that they tricked most of society to fall for it, and they firmly believe that they'll be able to trick everyone again. Well, what you've just described, we've already seen. Uh, we've seen it by the, I don't even know how many people and companies have uh, profited enormously from the you know, Operation Warp Speed and Pfizer and Moderna rolling out the vaccines and the people rolling up their sleeves. And as you and I both know, uh, James, fear works well on the vast majority of the public. You know, uh, the, the two main things that control people are fear and greed, you know, lose everything you have or, you know, you're going to die if you don't do this or you're going to lose your job or whatever. And, and it worked very well. I, I guess on the plus side of this, as as people like you, you know, diligent research you did, by the way, I want to tell you, uh, and people like, you know, the alternative media, if they get it right and they know what they're talking about and the people are waking up to this. I guess the bottom line is what I've been saying on my show for a long time is don't comply. But you mentioned something earlier. You said, um, you know, this next level, all this money is being put in to further fool people and to, you know, inject or get them to take pills or treatments or whatever to manage the illness to break their bank account before they put them in the grave. You know, the bottom line is you mentioned, well, there's a new amendment or a new law and, you know, can, is it possible for them to take it to the degree of a criminal offense if you don't comply? Or 
would they use let me let me finish or would they use this you know this other scheme they've got coming down the road with um, uh, you know the digital currency where they just turn off your bank account again the question always comes back down to um, you have you know every responsibility to comply with laws that are in alignment with the authority given to the person who is supposedly enforcing that law. One of the things that we're dealing with are is the corruption of law itself. And and so, you know, there are questions here that go, you know, deeper than we're going to cover in two hours. But the game that they're playing, number one, is a head game where they have you know, dueling negotiations between something that they call a convention. They call it a CA plus, convention agreement plus. And that has a meaning. It matters because under Article 19 of the WHO Constitution, they gave themselves pretty much the authority to negotiate a convention. And if people would only recognize what that means, a convention, uh, I'll use an analogy, right? If it was getting to be um, winter, you know, December, and, and I came up to you and I said, hey, I'm going to go get a Christmas tree. I'm going to bring it in and I'll install it in your house and I'll decorate it for you. You're going to go, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to get all this benefit and he's going to do all the work. But then I come in and I decorate it in some horribly, you know, just atrocious way. And then I would come back and say to you, well, I asked you if you wanted to accept this gift from me and let me be in charge of it. That's what a convention or a framework convention is. You agree to agree to let somebody be in charge of changing the agreement in the future. And you've got nothing to say about the protocols that they would write off into the future. In 1992, they all of the nations agreed to, and it was signed as, you know, it went through the Senate confirmation. It is a treaty, but it's known as the Framework Convention on Climate climate Change. Mm-hmm. We allowed ourselves to get into that kind of mistake. Would you ever sign a contract and put a group of people that you didn't know in charge of the details of the contract? Well, that's what happened in 1992 with climate change. And that's what they're trying to do now with what they call pandemic prevention, preparedness, response, and recovery. And let me finish the sentence of health care systems. It's not a treaty to save lives. It's not a treaty to you know, um, stop people from you know, becoming ill and dying. It's a framework convention for the prevention preparedness, response, and recovery of healthcare systems. They want money to build out laboratories and research and development, and they, they want to spend money on their bureaucracy. There are no metrics. There are no criteria that would determine whether or not they ever saved a single life. And the methods that they would be implementing, arguably, if you look on the WHO's own website with all their data about COVID, which I don't believe for a minute, but it's their data that they're publicly presenting. 
they showed that 16 times as many people per capita died from COVID over the last three or so years in North and South America as opposed to Africa. I'll repeat that. 16 times as many people died in the Americas as opposed to Africa. But wait a minute. They want to export and build out the type of infrastructure that was 16 times more likely to kill people and implement that in Africa. That's a depopulation agenda. But this isn't about health. This is about investment. Even the Indonesian health minister at the B20 in November said, hey, we've got this multi-billion dollar pandemic fund that the United States supports through the um, National Defense Authorization Act. It's part of our Defense Department's global health security agenda. And we're putting a billion dollars a year into this fund. And he said to the business people in Indonesia, go invest. This is a great opportunity. And so as long as pandemic response products and services are a growth industry that's profitable, they're going to keep saying there's a pandemic, whether there is or there isn't. They want to change the language so that they can say there's a quote-unquote pandemic if they find something that even has the potential to cause a problem. They don't need people to be sick or dying They want to be able to scare everybody and make the money flow based on the potential that they found something that might cause a problem. It's all about money. Well, that's always the bottom line. And and, and as you say this, it reminds me, it's kind of the same thing Zelensky's been doing to the United States. It's coming (laughs) over begging for money and, you know, they keep shoveling it out. But, But the scary thing about this is that we both know and my listening audience, who's very astute, by the way, you know, this this entire pandemic and the vaccines, and I've looked at the VAERS report, and I've seen reports from many times I've interviewed people, you know, it's been a disaster. The, the, uh, uh, the products that you're talking about that they want to expand and implement, you know, the masks and the vaccines and, you know, uh, all of this stuff that, that goes along with a, a pandemic or pandemic. Then you also have, and I believe you mentioned this, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe I read it. They, they're they supporting gain of function research, James. Okay. I mean, Rand Paul was grilling the heck out of Fauci two or three different times, actually turned over a criminal referral to uh, Merrick Garland, who did nothing about it, by the way. But gain of function research, that's a bioweapon, is it not? Um, that's the, what they're talking about building. The The way they put the wording in is they want to ensure that regulations don't infringe upon that growth industry. Okay. And and they actually, they actually are, are arguing and debating and negotiating over what they call a pathogen access and benefit sharing system has a nice little acronym PABS. So what they are trying to implement it, it really comes out of, boy, if you could go back a couple of years and, and think about, uh, according to the story that, you know, that they presented, in, in Botswana and South Africa, they claim to have identified a genomic sequence that ultimately got to become known as Omicron. 
And so they alerted the world as to the presence of this new variant. Okay? That's, that's their story. And so what then happened, especially in Europe, was they shut down travel to South Africa. And, and so the people in, in South Africa who you know, believed that story and believed that they were doing the right thing as an international, you know, a member of the international community, hey, we found something here, we're letting you know about it. They took it on the chin financially. And, and so a lot of this is coming from that experience where they're saying, well, hold on a moment. We alerted the world as to this new bit of information, quite frankly, intellectual property. And they gave it up to the world, and Pfizer and Moderna turns it into money. They go, oh, well, we'll come out with a new booster for the new variant. It took them a while, and you know, they approved it with no tests or, or you know, safety studies or anything. But they're looking at this going, wait a minute. You guys are turning um, you know, digital information into biological weapons and profiting off of that. We want a piece of the pie. So they're arguing for a pathogen access benefit-sharing system. It sure sounds like biological war- warfare industry. Okay, Now, a lot of this is being funded through the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, as part of the um, pandemic fund that the United States started. They announced it in November of 2022, signed it into law in the um, December of 2022. And, and they're busy funding. Global health security is not what you and I think about health. You want to believe that it's, you know, oh, early warning and somebody got sick, so we're going to tell everybody about it. And, and maybe that's an aspect of it. But at that same interview that I mentioned with Javier Becerra, they also interviewed Kathleen Sebelius, who was um, under uh, the Obama administration. Okay, and I'm going to warn you. We've got to take a break yeah. in 30 seconds at the top of the hour. Go ahead and continue, but we're, we're going to take she, a break. Go ahead. She said very clearly that nations don't really like it when the U.S. military shows up, but the new boots on the ground are doctors from the Health and Human Services Department. And if anybody's watched a recent movie, you'll see how people bringing vaccines can get to places that military people cannot. Sound of freedom comes to mind. Okay, we got to take a top-of-the-hour break. We'll be back in two. Folks, I will open up the phone lines here because I know there will probably be some questions for James. So we'll be back a couple minutes. Stick around. Second hour coming up. Einstein once said, future medicine will be the medicine of frequencies. What did he know? Imagine you hear ocean waves caressing a beach, or a favorite song from the past, or the trickle of the babbling brook. All of these are sound frequencies that positively affect us. 
Terahertz is a soothing, healing frequency that has been proven to resonate at the same frequency as healthy cells. It penetrates the body and stimulates new healthy cell growth. Want to diminish muscle aches, joint pains, and experience a greater sense of well-being? Tired of spending money on short-term remedies that never seem to work? Soothing, healing, relaxing terahertz frequency is now available and as handy as flipping a switch. Terahertz technology is changing the course of what we were taught about how to maintain our health and well-being. To read more about this amazing breakthrough and to order your terahertz frequency want, go to naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle the truth.